It's time for Talking Tauntauns! Your Star Wars source at AIPTcomics.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tauntauns. I am Jim Lahane, and with me is not Nicole, but we decided that we needed to dig in the archives of our coffers and pull out what we've been storing in the back of the freezer. It's Connor Christensen. Uh, give me one second. I need to Google what coffer means <laughs> <laughs> and determine if I should be insulted or flattered or neither. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, coming out of uh, Jim and I last saw each other for the first time ever. Uh, at uh, Star Wars Celebration, and I now just dawning on me that this is the first uh, we've talked in, like, not over text since Star Wars Celebration. Um, you, that's so right. We, you were supposed to be on for the season finale of Obi-Wan, but you weren't. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember what happened. Was that? that was, no, that wasn't, during, that wasn't during my COVID slumber, uh, which I finally, I finally got the vid. For any listeners who care, it took two and a half years. I finally succumbed and got it. Succumb's not the right word because I'm fine. Um, right before Comic Con, too. Perfect timing. Like, literally perfect timing. Actually, I tested negative the day before Comic Con started. So that was very lucky. Um, but no, I can't remember why I missed the Obi Wan episode. Uh, I would have talked about it for hours on end, though. I loved it. Um, thought it was phenomenal. So, uh, but no, glad to be back. Glad to. Uh, I got a lot of thoughts on a lot of things, um, and I'm really excited. I have thoughts on things, too. That's what we're here for, the thoughts and the things. The thoughts sometimes and the together. Things. Yeah, sometimes the thoughts and the things at once. The thoughts are on the things, or the things are on the thoughts or stuff. The, the thoughts are on the things, and the things feel the thoughts. Yes. It's poetry. It rhymes. So, you're right. We haven't gotten to talk since uh, Celebration. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, ironically, I, uh, I posted this in the APT uh, Discord for anyone who's on it. Um, I bought way more Star Wars stuff from San Diego Comic-Con than I did from Star Wars Celebration. Uh, I came back from Star Wars Celebration with one t-shirt. That's it. I bought one t-shirt. It wasn't even an exclusive thing. It's just a cool shirt I saw. Uh, I came back from San Diego Comic-Con with three t-shirts, a hoodie, a bucket hat, uh, a copy of Shadows of the Sith, a copy of the uh, Justine Ireland's final uh, uh, middle grade High Republic book, which I'm blanking on the um, title, Mission to Disaster, I think is what it's called. I got that. Uh <laughs> Picked up all the single issues of Star Wars Chewbacca, all the single issues of Star Wars Lando. Same with all uh, the Star single Wars issues. Leia. All the yeah, single all issues. Yeah, all the single issues. Incredible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the riffing everybody missed. Um, but yeah, so I came. I came back from San Diego Comic Con, and I just looked at my haul, and I was like, I s- spent three times as much as was on Star Wars stuff at Comic Con than I did at Celebration. But I did get um, the absolutely awesome heroes and villains uh comic-con exclusive t-shirts um they had a, a vader one and an obi-wan uh shirt that were both um exclusive to the show that i was able to snag on the first day so i was really really pumped on that and i got some awesome 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 p 
pins. I'm starting to become a pin guy. I'm 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 putting pins all over my back. You're one of those people. Oh yeah, I'm one of them. One of them. I got some sweet pins and a, some stickers from uh, this place called Punch It Chewy Press. If anyone's ever heard of them, they had a booth right next to my booth. Um, so I got this really awesome chopper sticker that I'm showing Jim on video that the rest of you guys cannot see. Um, but got the cool chopper sticker, and then they had a Kyle Katarn pin, which I like immediately bought because I'm I'm a sucker. That's that's the one piece of uh, Legends content that I really really love is is the uh, Jedi Knight series. So snag that Kyle Katarn pin as well, put it on my backpack. So it was a very uh, it was a very Star Wars centric Comic Con for me. Um, I, and it was I played Dark Forces. I can uh, I, you get it. It was you a get game. It. Yeah, it was it was Doom with Star Wars stuff. It's it sweet. was it was Doom with Star Wars stuff. It really. I've I've actually <laughs> never I've never played the first one. Um, I that's the only one I played actually. Uh, I was working my way through, still working my way through. <laughs> I I remember asking because like I I played the second one, Dark Forces Two Jedi Knight, when I was like ten, and when I got to college, I I like bought it off of Amazon for a uh, rebought it for like ten bucks. And I was like, oh, I should go back and play the first one. But I went on to like Reddit and a bunch of different other internet forums. And almost everyone was like, there's no need to play the first one. There's basically no story. And it's just Doom. It's it's Doom with Star Wars overlay. It's cool, but it's not worth it. So never played the first one. But the, the that whole series is, is fantastic. So, um, yeah. Anyway, other than that, uh, Star Wars Celebration, San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, I just got done with the weekend where I played seven hockey games in four days. Uh, so uh, if I look sleepy or beaten it's because i am <laughs> so it's because the I, tournament I've, I've... i thought that was just your default setting <laughs> <laughs> i mean it kind of is kind of is um yeah but uh, uh play two divisions up that was fun got schooled a bit nice to get the ego put into check so that was nice um and now just sitting here you know waiting for andor to come out uh you know just biding my time with the little light magic documentary some uh some star wars comics that we're going to get into some Lego Star Wars. Oh, that reminds me. I have a hot take on Lego Star Wars, not the summer vacation special. Um, but I have, a, I have a hot take on the game. Can I express it real quick? I haven't uh, gotten to go bring right this ahead. up to anybody. I know it's not something we discussed before the show. It just popped in my head. Um, not I on the th- notes. <laughs> a no, no, we're going off book. Um, I am so annoyed at myself for paying full price for the Skywalker saga. Uh, because I ever like I, I was enamored with the trailers. I'm on record on Tauntauns talking about how excited I was for this game and, and how great the trailers looked. And I don't think I I haven't touched it now in like three months. I didn't even finish all of the, the campaigns doing like the movies. And as much as like it'll make you giggle, it's the, I've never had gameplay be so repetitive and boring to me. Like it's the it's the antithesis of Elden Ring, where like Elden Ring is the game that is difficulty for the sake of difficulty. It's hard because it's hard, no other reason. Whereas like the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga is just there is no, the concept of death doesn't exist in the game. If you die, you just lose a few of your your studs and get dropped right back in immediately. No no consequences whatsoever. And and that to me, I'm like, okay, this there's no point in playing. I've lo- there's no stakes to anything and it's, it's not, not a gamer's game <laughs> not at all no and and i'm sick of people telling me it's the greatest star wars game made because it's just not it's just not 
Uh, it's, it's, I am, I hate myself for spending $60 on it. I got that instead of Horizon Forbidden West. I should have gotten Horizon instead. Uh, and I, I would never go so far as to say it's a bad game. It's not a bad game. It's a good game. It's just a very repetitive uh, and sometimes boring game. And uh, that's that's my hot take on the Skywalker Saga game. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Anyway, leave a message. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we I'm glad we ha- had that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been meaning to say that for a while now. I just haven't had the only person who uh, other person I would say that to would be Carson, who uh, my little brother who listeners have heard before. Uh, Jim also got to meet Carson in person because he was at Star Wars Celebration with me. Uh, but he loves it. And I didn't want to, like, ruin it for him and just openly so, poop on it. So, so now when he listens to the show, um, he'll hear all this and he'll be, be like, thank you for thinking of my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> So how many days were you were you at Comic-Con for all the days? I, yeah, I was um, preview night through Sunday. So yeah. that's probably why you bought more stuff, because you were only at Celebration for the one day. Yeah, in Celebration, I was able to, do, you know, we did a bunch of panels at Celebration. Um, and you know, we you and I, uh, we saw the premiere of Obi-Wan together. So. The Obi-Wan premiere, yeah. <clears throat> so the difference was, was that, like, I spent a lot more time at panels. At Celebration, whereas at Comic-Con, I don't do any panels. I'm, I'm at the booth 90% of the time. And if I'm not at the booth, I'm walking around shopping. So combination of being being out more and, and being there more days, yeah, I bought way more stuff. You know, and there's there was some Star Wars-specific stuff I was looking for. You know, I'm trying to collect all of the in-canon comics with the exception of the adaptations. I don't really mess with the adaptation uh, comic books that much. Um but uh, so I was like hunting stuff down. But I also this happens every year. I'll rediscover or, or discover some new series that I didn't even know I wanted. And this year, that series is I want to get the Star Wars from 2013. I'll give you a warning. <coughs> it is not what you're expecting. It's um, I don't want to say it's not good because I'm sure there's fans of it out there. But I did not like it. I did not I've, like it at all. I was warned by because I so I wasn't able to find it at a decent price at Comic Con, but I I'm gonna start trying to hunt it down, and I think my local comic shop comic shop owner, uh, shout out now or never comics, um, he said he probably has it, and he gave me a very similar warning. He said, it's <clears throat> it's less good as it is interesting. Yes, it's so it's, it's simply it's interesting to see what Star Wars could have been. Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, the Star Wars were Dark Horse's comic that they released towards the end of their license. And basically, it was the rough draft of Star Wars, or the what one of the one of the rough drafts. There's like seven rough drafts of Star Wars. It's one of the early ones made into a comic series. And so it's interesting to see how much has changed from that early draft to what we got in the original movie. Um, and then it's also noticeable when you're reading it, you go, this would make a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm, I, as far as I understand, the character of Han Solo is pretty much not in it. Um, it's 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 Luke Starkiller and Anakin Skywalker, but a, a, Anakin is spelled different. Um, Chewbacca is a completely different type of character. Princess Leia is much more of a damsel in distress princess. Yeah, um, I think less actually, of a cool character. Yeah, I think uh, I think it may have been Deke Starkiller at that time. 
Because I know it's Deke Starkiller in one of the drafts. That, yeah, it's I, I like I said, I'm just interested in, it in a uh, purely just like understanding the history of Star Wars angle. Yeah, so, less less about like, ooh, this is going to be a great story. Like I'm I'm more like, oh no, this is why George Lucas made multiple drafts. Yeah, as well, <laughs> that's why everybody makes good. multiple drafts is because uh, typically your first draft is not very good. Note um, for all creatives and writers who listen to this, it's the greatest piece of advice you will ever get. Your first draft is never, ever your final draft. Your first draft is always bad. It's always bad. Never submit anything on a first draft unless you're like a Psych 101 student and it's due right now and you did it at the last minute, then sure, submit your first draft. But other than that, first drafts are always terrible and and the Star Wars is the perfect example of that, from what I understand. I'm still hunting it down, though, because it's only eight issues. It's also interesting because it's the last thing Dark Horse got to publish before uh, the rights went over to Disney. So, yeah. Speaking of comics, uh, I think I told you when we were at Celebration, my comic book store, my local comic book store, which was um, small, to put it mildly, stopped getting Marvel. Yeah, I remember you telling me that just entirely. Like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, well, it wasn't that they were done. They had problems with the distributor, and they weren't able to get any Marvel. This is back in, so Celebration was the end of May. Um, I had gone in there at the beginning of April to pick it, uh, my comics up. Then I went right before Celebration because they they miss a lot. So I w- wanted to make sure that if they missed anything, I would know what it was before Celebration. And so I went in there. From the near the end of May, from the time I last saw it, went to there at the beginning of April, there was one comic. I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, we're having trouble with getting any of the Marvel line. Okay. So I guess that makes it easy trying to find the missing ones. It's all of them. And then I contacted him again in June. Still no luck. July, still nothing. And I said, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to close my hold because, like, this is not working. Um, I feel super bad because they are tiny. Like, the guy works, like, multiple jobs just to support his comic book store. But I, you aren't giving me literally anything. I can't, like, I need to go somewhere else so I can actually get my comics. And so I went to, there's a comic book store in Syracuse. Not much around here, actually. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, there's a lot more in Salt Lake than there is around here. But I found a place in Syracuse. I uh, was able to pick up all but one of the issues I missed. Um, Obi-Wan number one, for some reason. I assume because the show came out. They didn't have any of that. So I got I got caught up all of my comics. We're going to be talking comics today. And I, I was reading a lot of comics over the weekend. But uh, I finally got those. Um, and... Uh, on my home front, for anybody who actually cares, I got the the pool area was leveled out. The pool got put up, but we were told that since we are on well water, we should call and have somebody come and fill the pool. There's companies that will actually come and fill your pool for you, so you don't need to like um, use city water or um, well water. And so we couldn't get in contact with anybody. Nobody would like call us back or answer the phone. So we've been slowly filling it with well water, but we didn't want to destroy our well so (laughs) over the course of three days we have maybe a foot of water in the pool (laughs) perfect some would say the the optimal level for pools yes and so we uh, i actually i bought my daughter um she wanted to have a water balloon war and i i'm really 
like I don't want to one waste the the balloons and then you just have this like literally one time thing that doesn't really go away that well. Um, but I found reusable water balloons. They're like little magnetic um, balls that like they flit, split into two halves. You put them in the water and they'll self-seal and they're like little latex um, balloons. And they're absolutely fantastic. You throw them, they explode on the person. When they hit the water, they'll like seal up again and like basically refill themselves almost every time. And so we That's played... That's awesome. I we, didn't know those existed. <laughs> I never knew they existed either. They're absolutely like... I was in awe over these things. They're absolutely fantastic. Um, but we played in a foot of water in the pool um, with water balloons <laughs> today. Just dropping them down and immediately picking them back up like a self-fulfilling snowball? Yeah, pretty much that's what it like would happen. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, my daughter's bedroom is almost done. We're finally being able to put furniture in it, and I'm just painting the closet doors, and then uh, she will be done. And I can move on to putting up a wall that the landscaping wall around the pool so that the entire house doesn't slide down the hill into the pool. If you need help putting up that wall, I've been putting up walls my entire life. The, uh, the founded the concrete uh, walls? Uh, they're founded in emotion, but, you know, a wall's a wall, right? I'm sure it's just the same. Yeah, it's the, the, the idea is generally that it, it'll keep people out, okay? Ah, I, I, I get where you're going. Um, you were, you were being funny, attempting to, attempting, attempting the humor. <laughs> attempting. All right, you ready to talk some Star Wars? I sure am. Also, sorry, I keep coughing. This, this is like the dustiest thing I've ever sat in. So I feel like I'm just inhaling fibers. I don't take calls in here very often, so that's it's anyway. it's, it's okay. It's just asbestos. Yeah, it's fine. A little miso never hurt anybody. <laughs> All right. Okay. No, I'm sure. You're good. <laughs> Your tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Hello, what have we here? So we got two news stories. I'll, I'll do with the, uh, the older one. I don't know if you saw. I sent this to you just a little bit ago. Uh, apparently, the Knights of the Old Republic remake is... Um, quote, indefinitely delayed as the game's art director and design director were fired. Yeah. Um, not good, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I know, because I remember when the game got, got announced, a lot of people were a little bit worried because um, the, uh, the developer, Aspire Games, Aspire, actually, sorry, Aspire Games, um, had really only dealt with smaller scale projects and specifically mostly dealt with remastering games. Uh, you know, they remastered uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast. They remastered um, the pod racing game, uh, Star Wars Episode 1 Racer. They, were, they uh, remastered Republic Commando. So there was that worry. But, you know, I, I had kind of been one of the people being like, it'll be fine. You know, they're, they're still, a, uh, you know, a major game development studio. I'm sure they can handle it. Uh, but now to have oh the two people leading the project um, and correct me if I'm wrong did were, were they did they step down or were they let go if I it recall says, correctly it says it, in the leak that they were fired but it's also yeah. this is all a leak um, so yeah it's not entirely sure I, I did see this story reported on Game Informer as well now Game Informer every outlet is 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 um, 
tracing back to the same source. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But yeah, that the story is that they it's not they didn't step down. They were let go, um, which is not ideal. But then again, apparently what was shown off to a few investors, the investors were actually happy with its progress. So who knows? It's either way. It's not good that the only news we've gotten right now is that two major players in the project have departed, um, yeah. whether voluntarily or involuntarily. That's not yeah, because I'm looking on Bloomberg, um, which is a real website. Um, <laughs> Take that, for... GameSpot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're reporting on this as, uh, yeah, it's um, not looking good. I figured I, I, I was waiting to, to bring it up when you were on because I knew you would uh, you would have more information than me at least yeah it's it's i mean it's a bummer just because as somebody who has only played played each game you know played the knights of the republic and knights of the republic 2 like i've never completed either one i tried recently to go back and play the first one and it just i know the story has aged perfectly and it hasn't gotten any worse but the gameplay is just you got to be really really patient and it's you're you're not really that much of an active participant in in the combat scenarios. I just didn't have the patience for it, so I was really excited for this remake with the potential of like maybe they'll upgrade the the combat systems and they'll make it more modernized. So to have to wait a little bit longer is a huge bummer, or have to potentially swallow the fact that this could not make it out of development. Uh, again, it's not good when you're uh, the two major directors of the game leave. Uh, especially when it's a remake of this caliber. So definitely, uh, it's worrisome. It's worrisome. So on the other end of the Star Wars spectrum, we got a trailer. We got a trailer. Really? How many, how many wheels? Look at the trailer. It drives. We got an official trailer. Uh, I think their second official trailer for Andor. Which is coming out August third? Wait, wait, no, just no, kidding. No, no longer the end of August. We have unceremoniously been pushed back three weeks to September twenty first for the premiere, and now we have a three episode premiere, which makes me wonder how Woo. many, how long these episodes actually are. If they're one giving us a twelve episode season and three episode premiere. I'm wondering if they're going to be leaning towards the half hour mark for an episode as opposed to the full hour that we were getting with a lot of other stuff. Yeah, at least with Obi-Wan, I think we did, with the exception of like one episode, they were all an hour long or longer. But, you know, with The Mandalorian, it's hit or miss. There, There's episodes of The Mandalorian that are like 25 minutes long. Um, yeah. The, I, I'm getting... The one There's one episode of Obi-Wan that was 30 minutes long, and that was the, the weakest of the episodes, too. The, was... the breakout episode, yeah, which was the one that was the most, nah. Um, the two kids in a trench coat escape is one of my favorite bad moments in Star Wars. Uh, I love it, but it's terrible. Anyway, uh, um, uh, no, I, I assume, I'm assuming this is going to be all hour long because it is so much more of a thriller drama that you, that, that's pretty standard for that, that, uh, genre. Um, you know, regarding the, the, the release date, we'll, we'll address the less than good. I don't even necessarily think it's bad news, but we'll address the non good news first, I guess. Um, I think they did pretty much, I'm not sure if this is an internet rumor, or if this is strictly from Disney, 
but it, it is entirely because of She-Hulk. They just don't want to have two marquee shows going on at once and possibly dilute the viewership of one or the other. Um, oh, I haven't I, heard anything about that at all, but I, I should, can see I read that it? only on Reddit. So again, I don't know if that's an official source um, or if that's coming from just uh, pure speculation. I guess that makes sense to me. Um, I also know that the VFX community as a whole has been very outspoken about how their deadlines have been insane lately when it comes to specifically Marvel and uh, Disney projects. So I wonder if it's just more time to finish things. I don't know. Either way, it's not the end of the world. It's a couple weeks. It's um, three weeks. It's not terrible. It yeah. kind of screwed up our recording schedule because I <laughs> did have things planned. But they didn't it, think it, about it, the podcast. I know. How dare it's, they? It's really. Um, <laughs> but I can understand them pushing it back. Really, it's only being pushed back two episodes because we're getting three episodes premiere as opposed to the two episode premiere pushed back three weeks. So you do a little math. You're getting um, only two episodes short by the time it starts. Yes, I'd like it sooner than later, but I'm also looking forward to She-Hulk and I can uh, I could take my time. Yeah, and I mean, I'm you I I'm again, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm well documented in saying this on this podcast, but Andor's the project I've been most excited about. I absolutely adore Rogue One. When we did our our big 100th episode spectacular, when we did our rankings, Rogue One is number 2 for me. Uh, I think it's a phenomenal film and I love that time period and I love exploring the darker, dirtier origins of the rebellion and and how they got started and both trailers we've seen for this have done nothing but just make me unbelievably hyped about this um you know we talked about it a little bit on discord this is uh they're not using the volume for this show which is a first for these disney plus shows they've they've been really outspoken about how happy they are using the volume to to shoot set pieces uh they shot almost all of this on location on physical sets and I think that's why in the trailer, even in just the trailer, you can see how much more cinematic it all feels. And that's not to say anything negative about the shows that I've liked a, a, a great deal. But I think this has just such a grander feel to it. And it also feels like it's it's got such a, a, a larger narrative with so many more characters at play. You know, with both The Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and Obi-Wan, we really are honing in on one character. And ironically, this is a show that is named, again, named after one character. Have you noticed that all the Star Wars shows so far, they just name them whatever the character is? I, I, I did not realize that until this moment, but you're right. Same. It's like they one just, of those, like, it's about a second. <laughs> well, at least the next show that comes out is Ahsoka. Oh, no, that's also uh, no. named after one character. And uh, It's cool. They're going to do a Lando series. It's called, um, oh. Lando. Lando. Um, <laughs> Watch the main character, Skeleton Crew, is going to be named Skeleton. The Acolyte is actually just Acolyte Jones. Her, na- her name is <laughs> Acolyte. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, no, I, I, this does seem like uh, it's going to focus on a much more, uh, a much broader cast of characters instead of just Andor. Um, not that I have any problem if I focused on just Andor, but I, I am. So, 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 so pumped for this. It looks so good. Um, you know, they've already said, look, this this show takes place over years. It's not a quick narrative. Like, we are showing Andor going from a kid to 
right. I believe season two is going to end right when Rogue One starts. Yeah. So when we were at the the panel at Celebration, they said season one. Uh, I know we've seen images of kids. I think that's probably going to be very minor. Uh, where most of the show is going to take place five years before A New Hope, which same place that Rebels starts. The entire first season takes place in that one-year time span. The second season of the second 12 episodes is going to go from four years before A New Hope into Rogue One. Yeah. So I really... I was going to say... Go ahead. I was going to say, so um, Alan Tudyk... Uh, basically, they said they got Alan Tudyk, then Alan Tudyk wasn't there. I would assume that he will have to be in the second season, but he doesn't need to be in this first season. Um, so that probably was where all that confusion was coming from. Yeah, and I'm interested because they, they have technically already done the Cassian and K2 meeting story. They did it in that one-shot comic leading up to Rogue One, so I'm interested to see... If they're going to show that meeting again, they're going to pull a Bad Batch and just kind of re-retcon uh, it. Or if they're just going to skip it entirely and be like, look, if you want to figure it out, go read that comic. Which is what I would hope they would do. But let's they're not. Promise. They're going to overwrite they're just it. They're going to retcon it. Yep. Um, but no, I think this show looks phenomenal. Um, they are definitely really grabbing onto that that spy thriller vibe so, so much. And that's what I want out of this. Um, I just can't wait. It it's got me incredibly, incredibly excited. It looks it looks really good, and I um a lot of people online have been poo pooing on the volume, and th- you gotta understand people vol- online being upset. Yeah, the Star volume Wars fans? is groundbreaking technology, and I had said it. it they have it probably at about ninety percent. Like I heard people like on the the set going. It's real life. Like, you couldn't even tell the difference. Like, this is as best as you can get. It's not. You they probably have it about 90%. And it's that last 10% that's going to be the hardest. But it's it's that last 10% that you could tell when you're on the volume. And it's a lot yeah. of, like, character placements, object placements, things like that. Like, they will constantly do the same thing. You're on a completely different planet, but all the objects are kind of similarly like arranged because you're in that confined space to begin with. And so it's things like that they need to figure out. But it's still an absolutely phenomenal like technology. I have nothing against it, and I think it's great. I also like what they're doing here. We've seen pictures of the set. They built like entire like city streets um, to film on. And so, like, you really are, like, they, like, immersed in the environment because it's not the volume. You are in a city street that they built, like, the set around. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it just, I think, I'm sure from an actor's perspective and a performance perspective, it allows you, like you said, just to be a, that much more immersed. And it is, <clears throat> again, I don't think, I think the volume is fantastic. It's, it's incredible for filmmaking. The way it allows you to pretty much shoot anywhere at any time. It just it, it, it makes filmmaking so much more accessible, especially sci-fi like this, where you're going to have to keep you have, you know, you have planet trotting adventures where you're going to have to switch locations. It's incredible. That being said, there is a feel to being on location that is different. And it is it's like an uncanny valley to an extent. Um, and like, I cannot reiterate this enough, not saying that's not to poo poo the, vo- the volume. Like if you show me a picture of the volume versus an on location shot 
I might be able to tell the difference after like 25 minutes of staring. Like, but it, for, for its intents and purposes on film, it is incredibly effective. It also brings down the cost barrier. Like, Which means more Star Wars stuff. <laughs> yeah, like George Lucas had written a, or had written a show called Underworld that never saw the light of day because it was too expensive at the time to make. That show is now 100% feasible with the volume technology. And, like, we get so much more because of the volume technology that it costs so much cheaper to make these shows. You're getting these shows, and you're not, um, like, your only barrier now is the talent and the writing, which, yes, is going to be a barrier, but it's not going to, it's not the barrier to the process to create these things. Well, and the the talent they've got behind Andor, it's, uh, I forgot their names, but it's the writers uh, from the Americans. Um same showrunner, I believe, from the Americans. Uh, Tony Gilroy's involved. Yeah, I know Tony Gilroy um, because he was also involved in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he did Rogue He helped write Rogue One. So it's, I mean, they assembled, I mean, shocker, Disney assembled an all-star uh, cast on screen, an all-star cast behind the scenes uh, to do this. Uh, and I do, I know some of the complaints have been like, oh, like some of, uh, some of it looks a, a little too real world to me. And it's like, well, they're trying to use elements of real life gorillas, gr- like gorilla, warf- um, gorilla warriors to remind you, hey, the, the rebels in the eyes of the Empire and the eyes of, you know, Imperial citizens were terrorists. You know, they were they were carrying out these these violent acts of rebellion. So they need. They need so yes, like a, a blaster is gonna look like an AK forty seven because they want you to think of guerrilla warfare and they want you to feel like, hey, these rebels were the freedom fighters who had to scrounge together lesser firearms to fight back. That's what I love. Like, when did why are they making Star Wars political? I have something to break to you. If you're one of those people, I have news, and this is a hundred percent true. You don't you don't even need to like to just believe me. You can look this up. In the original Star Wars movie, you had two factions, the Rebellion and the Empire. One of those was the embodiment of Vietnam, the, 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 um, the Vietnamese. The other was the embodiment of the Americans. Guess which side was the Americans? That's right. We were the Empire from George Lucas. His entire first movie had America as the Empire. So pretty sure we're not always the good guys. And I'm pretty sure there's been politics in Star Wars from the get-go. It's literally always been a political. It's it's about freedom fighters fighting space Nazis. I mean, that is an inherently political story. Uh, and also, like, I get right, Andor's going to be a super political show. How, I mean, they've already told you that look a, a major portion of this show is mon mothma in the 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 galactic senate pulling strings for the rebellion so it, again inherently literally going to be a political show it's going to be about the political process and i i mean i have i have um i have left twitter behind i'm off instagram i don't have a facebook anymore I uh, limit my time on Reddit simply because I'm sick of participating in online discussions. And I can only assume 
that the discussions around Andor are going to be so annoying. Like, did you so leave Twitter, or did Twitter go out for a pack of cigarettes and just never come back? Well, it 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 was it wasn't a pack of cigarettes. It was a carton of milk. But you know they're coming back. They're coming back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I mean, it's you're gonna have people complaining. People complain about Star Wars all the time. But I do think this is another project that it does look like they're they're firing on all cylinders. And I love the fact that they've already com- confirmed. Uh, yeah, we're doing a second season. The second season's gonna wrap up the storyline. I just hope. Uh, I naively hope there's going to be some Rebels characters popping up, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. So. I, I, I bet they're going to save those for Ahsoka. Well, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do because you have Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma majorly shows up in Rebels at a major point in the Rebellion. So the, I was just thinking when you were talking is they, they have to have that through line. There is a little bit of crossover. Yeah, you're going to have to have it. When she broadcasts to the, the all the rebels, yeah. Um, but when she because the rebels that's season four, right? Uh, I don't. I, th- I think maybe it was either late season three or early season four because they basically they rescue her from the empire because she basically um uh, got called up on treason. Yeah, and they had to bring her back to to. I think they're already on Yavin at that point, right? I don't. Re- I don't remember exactly. The order of things off the top of my head. I just watched it. (laughs) I just watched it like two months ago, too. Um, but yeah, and I wonder because because yeah, I I think at a certain point you're gonna have to have that that rebels crossover just because of the time period, and we already know like yes, rebels the show is about a cell of rebels specifically on Lothal, but you kind of throughout the show learn like yeah, but that specific cell played a pretty major role in the rebellion as a whole. I also wonder. Are we going to see Princess Leia in this show? Again, probably in season two. But with the role that she plays in the Rebellion, wouldn't really surprise me if she pops in. They would have to get another actress, too, because the girl, like, the girl is phenomenal that did her in Kenobi. Oh, but yeah, we're no, jumping, not... but we jumped yeah, five no, years here. I would think if anything, they'll do what they did for Mark Hamill. Um, I mean, they also, they digitally manipulated. Uh, a young Carrie Fisher for Rogue One as well. Uh, but then you also get into the same problem they ran into with Rogue One, which was when they had um, Tarkin pop up and use the likeness of a very dead actor to portray a role again. You get into a really weird ethical quagmire around, is that okay? Is it, you know, are, are you um, unethically using somebody's likeness for profit? Are you paying homage what's so i i'm just interested to see if that's something they go down i think it would make sense story-wise to have princess leia pop up but logistically outside of the universe and just in terms of creating the show is it worth it it also depends on um like i literally have no idea but she may have signed her rights um stating that that was um she she would allow disney to do such a thing or she may have not signed anything like that and then you're dealing with more of a legal quandary yeah so we'll see either way uh it looks like a an absolutely fantastic show um i can't wait uh i don't think we're gonna luck our way into the uh red carpet premiere this time jim um Uh, probably not uh, (laughs) we can try but i don't think it's gonna happen this time i i I keep hoping but uh i mean um, i still haven't called me 
I still have my wristband from the Obi-Wan premiere. Let's just, I'll just wear that and be like, this gets me in, right? There you go. There you go. But I think that we need to talk some comics for Comics Corner. <laughs> so I wanted to... Uh, the the comics have been uh, kind of weird lately, actually, because we first... Um, when all of the comic lines kind of lined up time-wise between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, they did this huge crossover, um, War of the Bounty Hunters. And we talked about the War of the Bounty Hunters um, probably back in November. And the the storylines majorly between the main Star Wars line, Darth Vader, Dr. Aphra, Bounty Hunters, and then a separate... A uh, one-shot series, not one shot, but a limited series or whatever in you want to call it. An event series. An event series of the War of the Bounty Hunters. And plus a bunch end, of one-shots. Plus a bunch of one-shots. You're right. There's like four one-shots. Um, all of those intertying the storyline that takes place probably over the course of four minutes. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> it takes place over the course of a day. No, that I mean, but that's a stretch too. It takes place over the course of maybe an hour and a half. Yeah, and so like you have literally, I think I counted. It was close to fifty comics that all like intertwined with each other, and it was, it was a lot. I read them all at once in order of what there was of an order that you could figure out, um, which again was really difficult but then at the end of the war of the bounty hunters they're like we're not done and everybody's like oh crap um <laughs> they're like we're gonna do crimson rain is part two of this major trilogy and then shattered empire as part three uh hit, hidden empire hidden empire shattered empire is a different thing hidden empire we've already talked about that haven't we on this show <laughs> probably uh hidden empire is part three and so connor's on we're gonna be talking the crimson rain the crimson rain has wrapped up by this point started uh just after war of the bounty hunters probably january i would say it it was yeah and you got like maybe like two comics for each of the lines not part of the series and so then again we have the main star wars line Darth Vader, Bounty Hunters, and Dr. Aphra, and another uh, event series called Crimson Rain. We no longer have the High Republic comics coming out. They are on they are on a hiatus until November. Planned uh, hiatus, we should say. There's nothing like, they're not in trouble or anything. It was just a planned end, and Phase 2 launches, and we'll get new comics in Phase 2. Yeah, so the, the, they're, on, they're on pause for... Um, planned pause but we are getting a couple of one-shot series that don't have anything to do with this obi-wan uh series um the mandalorian series which i haven't opened yet it's it's an adaptation of season one which i you know i i don't guess i got it but and i read it and it was nice but it's like yeah i know i know everything that's gonna happen um Um, the the halcyon series that follows like kind of the galaxy's edge uh type of comic series and i picked up i'm going through trying to find all these old comics and i come across this really really thick comic kind of looks like a trade paperback but it's in with the comics and i'm like what is this cursantin on it oh you got suckered into buying that didn't you and i'm like is this a like a legit one shot or is this a trade paperback because it's in 
bagged and boarded. I can't see anything. Just says Kersantin one on the cover. And I'm like, looks like a trade paperback. And the guy at the thing is like, no, no, that's a real story. I open it up and literally the first page tells me all the comics that it, it includes in here, which is Star Wars 14, 15, 20, excerpts from Darth Vader, 14, 15, Dr. Aphra, annual number one. You know what this is? It's not a one-shot comic. <laughs> it's a trade it's, paperback. Yeah, it's a special collection. They, they did this with a lot of Marvel characters. When Marvel characters started getting movie releases, they would release, they would call them Marvel Tales starring so-and-so, and it was like, not as big as a typical trade, but larger than your typical one shot. These like basically thick newsstand releases that would collect a couple different stories, like notable stories that have already been published about that character. And they did this with Black Chrysanthemum. Um, I almost fell for it at uh, my local shop. I was like, they surprise drop a Black Chrysanthemum story and like we're getting an ongoing. And they're like, no, 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 it's a collection of a bunch of his stuff. Um, so it's great if you're a new reader who doesn't know anything about Chrysanthemum. By, by all means, yeah, go go pick it up. It's great. Uh, but I'll probably they're... offer it up on our Discord channel because I don't yeah. need it. I don't collect the trades. Um, um, I, I used to collect the trades, and then that's a lot of money. So I only have the individual issues, of which, unlike some people on this podcast, I have all of them. I'm, I'm getting there. It's the original Darth Vader run is going to cost me a pretty penny. Because that is a beloved run. Rightfully so. It's incredible. Uh, anyway, getting back to Crimson Rain. Um, so like Jim was saying, another event uh, with tie-ins to the other ongoing Star Wars titles. However, what I noticed with this one is it's a lot less of a direct tie-in. Whereas War of the Bounty Hunters. Less. Yeah, War of the Bounty Hunters. Like if you didn't, If you weren't reading all of the Star Wars comics, you might be a little lost. There was some stuff going on that <clears throat> that definitely crossed over and was important. Whereas with Crimson Rain, ah, it's more of they just are happening at the same time. But story-wise, the only one that truly is like, okay, this is touching on what's happening in the Crimson Rain miniseries, uh, it was like Darth Vader. And a little I, bit of, of Bounty Hunter. I, I was going to say, Hunters. I would say Bounty Hunters 2, because the whole... Um, uh, obviously we're going to go into spoilers here. Yeah. Big, big spoilers coming in right about now. Yeah. The, the, uh, we'll start off with the, the ones that really don't have anything to do with it. Uh, Dr. Afra has pretty much nothing to do it, with the series at all. It just has the crimson rain banner on each issue, but has nothing to do with it. Which like maybe I, the word crimson dawn is dropped once or twice. That's it. I do want to throw out. I hate, 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 hate that none of the comics are in, they don't have any series in the titles. All of the titles are standalone to the comic. So you're not like Crimson Rain Part 1. You don't have any of that in any of the comics, except obviously the Crimson Rain comic, which is Part 1. Um, and so like each issue is kind of its own standalone thing. I don't know if they're doing that from now on, and we're not doing any more story arcs, but it's obnoxious. I do. I do like it when you get the. the it's like okay. It's this part one. It's uh, you know. It's Eye of the Storm part one, or you know, Shadows of Vader part one, two, three, four. Um, yeah, I don't know why they're doing that. Yeah, and so Doctor Afra, um, Doctor Afra is dealing with her own um, thing uh, with the uh, the Ascendant. Ascendant is that right? Um, the Ascendant tech. Yes. Yeah, the Ascendant tech. 
And it's actually, I, I really enjoy it. And I want to say, like, I there's not much reading. And I think that's part of the reason I really like Dr. Afra. The art is really nice. The text is minimal. And it helps you breeze through this story, which is really good in and of itself. It's not like I'm taking a half hour to read one comic because each page is loaded with text. I want to breeze through these. That's the whole reason. Like I want to like just enjoy it as like um, pretty quickly through. And so I'm really liking the Dr. Afra story. And it's it's getting weird. <laughs> it's getting very weird. I actually I was kind of falling off Dr. Afra. I mean, I will always read Dr. Afra because she's, you know, in my top three favorite Star Wars characters. But I was not enjoying this the series as much because I was like, come on, get on with it. We get it. You're hunting this ascendant technology. But it kept like it kept pushing out her finally finding it. Um, but once she found it in these last couple of issues, where, as you said, things have gotten weird, to say the least, I've really started to enjoy it again, um, particularly Afra, this most recent issue, again, spoilers, of uh, Afra having to kind of like fight off the ascendant technology that's taken over her body as it goes through her worst memories. And it got back to something that I think has been somewhat missing from this Afra series as of late, which is that Afra is complicated as a person and is borderline a bad person um, who routinely stabs her friends in the back and pulls one over people. And this this issue did a good job of reminding you as a reader, like, hey, remember, Afra's trying her best, but a lot of times she makes the worst possible decision. And having to watch her be confronted with that was like kind of heartbreaking and, and emotionally a really engaging read. And also reminded you as a reader, like, hey, don't forget, Afra's not entirely the hero here. Um, so I am really enjoying that. And again, nothing to do with Crimson Rain whatsoever, which, as I'm sure we'll get into in a bit, it's probably not a bad thing. Yeah. So, um, all right, pick pick one of the other ones. What uh, Darth Vader, I guess, would be the the second least connection. Although uh, see, I was I was gonna say the the main titles just Star Wars. I can't. First of all, I can barely tell you what's been going on in that series just because it feels like it's moving along. It's such a snail's pace. Oh, page. Star Wars. I, I literally read most of these to catch up. Star Wars, they're um, battling that one Star Destroyer that got the damaged. The Tarkin's Will. Yeah, and so cool. they're trying to get back Shira? 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 Shira Bree? B? B? Bree? I don't know. Um, Pose Mom! <laughs> Shara Bay. Pose That's mom. her name. Shara Bay. Sharabay, that's it. Uh, so they're trying to get back Poe's mom, um, who was left on the Star Destroyer. The Star Destroyer is apparently taking on the entire Rebel fleet all by itself. Ooh, um, actually, that issue was the one issue I remember because it was awesome. Where I oh, what's the character's name? The the captain or the commander of the Tarkin's will, who like you find out is a family friend of Tarkin. Um, she basically uses the afterburners of the Tarkin's will to torch an entire. Uh, a rebel encampment. It's really messed up, but it's also like it was a great way to just show how brutally efficient she is as a as a, re- a rebel hunter. Commander Zara. That's it. Yeah, that was the issue that I was like, wow, this is really good. This is how I mean. This is how Charles Sewell's mainline Star Wars run has been, though. Is it's anywhere from four to six issues 
of incredibly slow buildup to something that you're really not that interested in. But then the payoff issue is phenomenal. You know, it has either a really awesome battle sequence or has a great character revelation, but it just feels like the work and the effort and the time you have to put in to get to those issues is rarely good or enjoyable. The speaking of text, there is a lot of text to get read ready through. to read. And it's like it's an enjoyable comic. I, I'm enjoying it. I'm a little um um per perplexed that the rebellion is being beaten by one person in a broken star destroyer uh so badly. Like her tactics make sense, but it's one of those you're like are you people really that dumb? You guys are pretty <laughs> bad at war. <laughs> How did you win this? Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, we find out why. But yeah, um, it, I'm enjoying it. It's, I'm enjoying it as on the whole, not as individual issues. Because like I said, it, you, you get payoffs. It's just it takes so long to get to those payoffs. All right. So um, I'm going to jump to Bounty Hunters. Because as as longtime listeners know, I have a hate hate relationship with bounty hunters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm starting to kind of join you on on that. Uh, nobody can see this. I'm standing now. That's how upset I am about bounty bounty hunters. I'm actually not that upset, but it, I mean it's it's just dragging on. And now, like we've switched. We've switched character perspectives. It's no longer about Baylor Valence, who like was the only reason I cared about this series at all. It's now about uh, Tonga, I think is her name, um, and her new crew. I don't even know most of their names. That is kind of the part of the problem is like people will mention their names. I'm like, I literally do not know which character that is. I recall Bosk is involved. Bosk and... Tasu Leech. From Kanji, who will, who will go on to become a lieutenant in Kanji Club, but okay, and I did Dengar. laugh. I did laugh at the line that he said something about I would much rather die wrestling a um, uh, what's the thing um in the Force Awakens, uh, that he dies by, uh, the the ball, uh, Rathor. Rathtar. Yeah, he's like, I would much rather die wrestling a Rathtar. And I, I ah. might, and it's one of those that I'm like, I don't know whether to laugh or groan at that. Like, it's, it's, I, 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 I don't know. I just, <laughs> it was one of the, the standout moments of the entire series because it is so confusing. So confusing. What yeah, is going it, on? It feels directionless, especially once you got done with that first arc where it was Baylor and Boba um, and Bosk and Dengar and all the other notable bounty hunters tracking down um, Cadelia, who is who is the um, <clears throat> the unplanned child of leaders from the Broken Clan and the Mourner's Whale. So it was an interesting, you know, like, ooh, a little grapple for power within the underworld. But since that first arc wrapped up, it's been totally directionless. And They're still trying to get back this girl. Who has been kidnapped by Crimson Dawn, which you read in the Crimson Rain miniseries, which is the crux of our conversation today. But and she doesn't seem like she's kidnapped in Crimson no, Rain, but she seems it's... like she's kidnapped in Bounty Hunters. In like, Bounty like... Hunters, you're you're like fearing for her safety, and you're like, oh no, she's been kidnapped. But in Crimson Rain, you're like, 
she was technically kidnapped, but like she seems pretty stoked to be there. Yeah, it's it seems like a lot of this a lot of this whole time period seems like it was thrown into a blender, stirred up. I don't quite know what's going on when. Um, they do have occasional references to other events going in other comics. Like, see, this like happened in other comic. I'm like, okay, you're kind of giving me a timeline. But like, characters, Baylor Valence is probably the worst one because I do not know what he's doing when he is doing it because he's crossing over between Darth Vader and the Bounty Hunters comic. But his timeline doesn't seem to match up with where he should be. Like, yeah. His whole storyline now has gotten so muddled. He's technically with the Empire again, sort of as an indentured servant. But he but really doesn't really. like it. Like, yeah. It's very confusing. Um, but yeah, at least I will say at least Bounty Hunters does tie into Crimson Rain more because, again, it's about it's about these Bounty Hunters going after uh, Cadelia, who has been kidnapped by Crimson, Crimson Dawn. Um, and... Uh, that actually, we haven't gotten the wrap up for that because even though Crimson Rain is wrapped up as a storyline, the assault on the Vermilion, which is Crimson Rain or Crimson Dawn's flagship, uh, comes out this week. So, haven't read it yet. Don't know how it wraps up. Uh, it doesn't wrap up. I read it. They're in the middle of it. Great, awesome. Um, so, and so, and Darth then Vader. we got Darth Vader. Yeah, which yeah. is my is my favorite Star Wars series going on right now. I will say. Uh, but it's better when it doesn't have to tie into Crimson. I feel like it's not though. Like, oh my word! Uh, by by random tie-ins, we get um, Kitster and Wald. Love it, <laughs> love it. So those issues I really enjoyed, where it's 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 Darth Vader and Sabe teaming up to go take down a corrupt Crimson Dawn official on a, on a far off planet who basically enslaves the people. But it's the issues before that where he teams up with this, like, new random assortment of freedom fighters uh, who are just, I don't know, not very interesting and kind of annoying characters. I didn't like that stuff. But this Okay, most I, do, I, I, I think, um, so I haven't read, like, I read the first half back when they were coming out, but then I read the second half all uh, over the weekend. It's two very different stories in the Darth yes. Vader arc. Yes, and this most, the most recent stuff with him and Sabe has been, Right. And yes, it and and running into the, the Phantom Menace throwbacks of uh Kit and what's I'm sorry, what's his other friend's Kit, name? Kit Sternwald. Kit Sternwald is so good. I was like, ah, oh, I love Greg Pock throughout this run has done such a good job of pulling in elements from every era of Star Wars and making it work. And this was the one where he got the closest to it being too ridiculous, but I loved it and we're getting pod racing baby oh my the end of this last issue of when they show this giant pod racer and they're like kitster's the only one who knows how to drive that and you just see darth vader and i literally put my head down and went you did not just go there. <laughs> I swear to God, I've never been more convinced that Greg Pak has listened to our podcast than I am now. I'm like, okay, I have I have gushed about his books so many times. I make annoying references to pod racing, and now this story arc is going to end with a climactic, basic pod race so Darth Vader can go save people. Oh, the guy, the guy reads. The guy has to listen to the show. 
it was hey greg <laughs> but i i do really like the sabe team up i like how they made it work like it doesn't seem like it should work because darth vader is um a homicidal maniac and he kills anyone who gets close to him because he's a homicidal maniac. Um, but he like, they, they make it work that Sabe makes him want to work with her. And I, I like it. I like, I like Sabe to begin with. So they, they do a good job of, of humanizing Darth Vader, but in a way that doesn't make him seem any less scary. He's still frightening and he still is a vicious murderer, but you can see the slow, return to Anakin Skywalker that he's going through. And that's why I've been enjoying this series so much is it is really laying the groundwork for what we're going to see in Return of the Jedi of he is very slowly starting to question his role and everything and very slowly starting to feel like Anakin again. And I think Sabe really brings that out in him. Um, it's just one of the reasons I've really enjoyed the Darth Vader run as a whole. Um, and bringing back Sabe, which is not something I ever expected. And it's like you said, it shouldn't really work, and it has. The only um, the issue I've had with Darth Vader previously is that every single issue showed some variety of flashback or vision of Padme or something, and they constantly go back and do the flashback in every single issue. It hasn't been every single issue. It's still a lot, but it hasn't been every single I do, issue. <laughs> I do think it serves a purpose, though, to show you what's going through Vader's head. And, you know, as he's, like, remembering these things and having regrets, I think it works. But it can be a little over the top where you're like, yeah, I've seen this movie. Yeah. And it's like if you read it issue by issue, probably not that bad because you're getting, like, a month break. If you're reading yeah. it all at once, it's like, oh, my God, again? Yeah. And <laughs> I've, I've been reading it issue by issue. Um, one thing I will say about Crimson Rain before we get into the the main story, sorry, the main series, uh, surprisingly, no one-shots this time. Um, which was a bummer only because I thought the one shots for War of the Bounty Hunters were better than anything else in War of the Bounty Hunters. I agree, actually. I, I really enjoyed most of the one shots. I, I, I can't pick up. For some reason, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember which ones I didn't enjoy, but I think the, generally they were better. You're right. The 4LOM one was fine. The four LOM and then Zuckus one or four LOM. I know some people are gonna get really upset. Well, um, they they write out four LOM. So they write many out times. four LOM. I'm just saying the way they say it. Uh, but I do know a lot of people say four LOM. But the four LOM and Zuckus one was nah, it's fine, it's whatever. Uh the Boosh one, written by Alyssa Wong, who's writing Doctor Afro, was awesome. Was like one of my favorite Star Wars issues of the year. Who's and then, still not dead? Yeah great and then um the job of the hut one shot which was more focused on a high republic character actually because it was, was written by justina, justina ireland, ireland. I yeah i also thought was very very good um and then i think there was there was an ig88 one that was fine it was, you know it was whatever um but yeah the one shots mostly were good and for crimson rain they didn't do any and i think that's because now we can, we can get into the meat of uh, of this the the series. I, I each I issue was a one shot. <laughs> was basically a one shot. Yeah, and I so that's why I hesitate to call this an event the way that War of the Bounty Hunter was. This is more of a mini series slash like era they're trying to do, but and they're tr they try to. It's weird. These these issues are super weird because it's five five issue mini series. 
it's not an event series like War of the Bounty Hunters is, where War of the Bounty Hunters, War of the Bounty Hunters, each issue picks off right where the last one left off, and it's a very clear story taking place over the course of an evening, if that, maybe even shorter. Whereas this somewhat takes place after War of the Bounty Hunters, a couple issues you're not really sure when it takes place, um, like the issue all about um the archivist, the archivist, sorry, uh. It took me a while to wrap my head around when that takes place because the the meeting of Kira and the archivist, archivist, I can't pronounce that word, is referenced in Han Solo and Chewbacca. And Han Solo and Chewbacca, we know, takes place long before Han Solo gets involved with the rebellion. So it's definitely not during the same time period as Crimson Rain 1 and 2 is. So you're like, okay, so this story's happening 10 years in the past? Uh, it's so the timeline of it all is very confusing. It's and also again, you realize that the art archivist really needs a better shampoo. Disgusting. I mean, I'll just say it. Just, <laughs> she looks I like thought, she, she looks I, like she has odor. I thought she was an alien until they did the flashback, and you're like, you're not oh. an alien. You just have really greasy hair. <laughs> you just let yourself go. That's gross. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so like the, the Crimson Rain as a whole, I'll just say it is is a really disappointing miniseries because it's a cool idea introduced in War of the Bounty Hunters that Crimson Dawn is back and Crimson Dawn is back to become this major player in the underworld and to throw their hat in the ring in the galactic con- the galactic conflict that's happening. And are they going to take sides? Are they going to play both sides? Who really knows? And then you get to Crimson Rain. And you find out that Kira has this plan, but the plan is both very convoluted and never fully revealed to you. Each story is completely sort of on its own, but it's, also tries to tie into one each other, one another, and it's never clear why. It seems like the Crimson Rain is like the Pokemon. Each episode of the comic deals with her gathering one of her forces. One is about the Knights of Ren. One about the Archivist. One, I don't even remember what some of them were about. But it, that's One a- is, she sends uh, she sends Ochi of Bastoon to assassinate the There Imperial- is a character who whose timeline in this whole crossover of series so doesn't make sense whatsoever. He's simultaneously assassinating Imperial Guards and with Vader. Uh, stopping a Crimson Dawn governor on a different planet. Like, again, literally, no like, when... if you were reading this in order as they're released, his character is everywhere at once and doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It's very confusing. Um, and then in that same issue, that's when you see Deathstrike, super original name, um, kidnapping Cadelia from Bounty Hunters. And then an issue of. The Knights of Ren uh, assaulting Vatris's fortress to get uh, a screaming key. And then the final issue is the Archivist using the screaming key on some far-off Sith planet to get an hourglass of some sort. And then it ends with the Emperor being like, hey, we've got an enemy. It's Crimson Dawn. They're trying to manipulate us, and they're trying to spread our forces thin. We got to take her out. We got to take them out, and it ends very abruptly with Kira being like, "Lay low, 
Hidden Empire, and that's it. And it just, first of all, you can't tell how long it takes place, but it feels like, much like War of the Bounty Hunters, feels like it takes place over, at most, a day or two. Uh, everything happens very fast. And then also, it's made out to be this big, important thing that's happening. You're like, well, nothing really happened. Other than Ochi assassinating the Emperor's guards, which was crazy, nothing of import happens. No, it's the setup to important things, like, is what it feels like to me. It's like they're setting up to the next stage, but they set this as a stage itself. So it's like you used one of your stages as a setup for the next stage, which doesn't give me hope that the next stage is going to be enjoyable. Exactly. Um, And, uh, like, timeline-wise, I can see why they're super quick because you are dealing with a very, very short time period in, um, in universe between empire and, uh, return of the Jedi. So from the beginning of empire to the beginning of return of the Jedi, it's a year now from the end of empire to the beginning of return of the Jedi. I'm not even jumping in there because we don't know how long Luke was training and how long it took them to get to Hoth because they've never really said, uh, probably a few weeks, maybe even a couple of months. Um, and so you're looking at less than a year's time that you're fitting, like, how many comics are they going to try to cram into this time the period? utter rise and fall of Crimson Dawn again. Um, I wouldn't again, be surprised if Crimson Dawn makes it past uh, Return of the Jedi. I would like them to because I do think they're, they're a cool faction. Um, but it's just they're making them out to be this major player. But right now you're like, they haven't done anything. Like... I, well, I mean, they have, you know, they, they were able to, to steal Han Solo temporarily from Boba Fett and they managed to lure the, the huts into a conflict with the Empire and, and you know, kind of destroy that overall relationship. Um, but other than that, it's in, in this miniseries, just like you said, it's just it's all stage setting, but it's stage setting delivered with this like unearned pomp and circumstance that you're supposed to understand why these things are so important. With no context, context clues about why they're important or what Kira's overall plan really is, other than to just simply sow discord between the criminal syndicates and the Empire. I do enjoy Vader's. I don't even remember what this was in, but Vader was having a conversation with the Emperor, and he's like, "Her fighting style reminded me of pause, pause." you <laughs> and the emperor's like what are you trying to say what, what just come out and say it what are you trying to say <laughs> geez sheev you feeling a little threatened there buddy <laughs> uh yeah that was a good moment and they they charles sewell really dropped terrace kasai four times in four panels yeah that's like, it really wanted you to know like i know what it is do you know what it is? I, I know I, I know what it is. I've never I've played s- the game, but I know the game. <laughs> no, I, I do. I know the game infamously uh, and only for, for infamous reasons. But yeah, it's just I really thought this could have been a cooler series. Um, and it just it just feels like a letdown. And, you know, it's also it, it, it would be another thing, too, if it uh, being a comic book. You know, there's a lot of times with comics where a story is meandering or is or is not too eventful but it's beautiful to look at um you know silver surfer black is the one that comes to mind for any comic book readers it's i couldn't tell you what that story is about but it's incredibly drawn and it's so gorgeous with this the art is merely it's serviceable to the story which is what you want from the art but the art is nothing 
that is insanely good either. It's just this whole thing just feels like needless filler to something more. It feels like they're rushing this out, trying to pump out as many comics into this series as possible. I don't know why. Like, you don't need 30-something comics and a tie-in together when they don't really tie in together. The And it's like in very short time period, like six months you're looking at and you're like, you pumped out this many comics. So like, you don't need that. And again, m- much like the problem with War of the Bounty Hunters, War of the Bounty Hunters canonically in universe takes place over a couple hours. But in real time in our world, that was, that event took six months. And it's very similar with Crimson Rain. Like, you ha- like yes, the time round jump timeline jumps around, but in in reality, of the universe, the story that's being told, which is a, a using that term lightly because there's not much being told, takes place over maybe a couple weeks, and that's being generous. But it in in terms of release schedule, took months for us to read that, so the story ends up feeling like it's moving along at a snail's pace, and that is obviously just more of a problem with decompressed storytelling in comics, and that's how modern comics work is is it's all told in a deep, decompressed way. But this specifically, and War of the Bounty Hunters, War of the Bounty Hunters feels like it could have been one oversized issue. And this, like, even more so, Crimson Rain should have been a one-shot. Uh, maybe a large one-shot, but it should have been, at most, a 60-page issue. It didn't need to be 150 pages. It just didn't. Yeah, like, I don't have problems. I could see the, the various comic lines i really don't like that they're they're overlapping all these different comic lines together like that you have like the entire history of the star wars universe you have thousands and thousands of years that you can go in any what direction and you have four comic lines five comic lines counting these uh, these events overlapping each other literally on top of each other it is um unnecessary <laughs> and they haven't made it necessary although they keep trying i'm i'm fine with it um i think it worked i think it was better the first time around with the uh new hope and empire fill-in uh for the first but they volume. had less they had less they going had less on they had less comics and then they, there so they only, had the there's only the two. vader and star they had star wars and they had vader and then they eventually launched dr afra and but vader but, and star wars but, were, were running concurrently Vader and Star Wars were running concurrently. Vader stopped. That's when Dr. Aphra started. So it was only ever yeah. two comics. It was always series. two at once. And then they did a bunch of other series, like, uh, you know, miniseries, stuff like that, that took place all over the place. You know, they had a pre- they had the Mace Windu prequel series, the Obi-Wan and Anakin series that took place during the prequel era. They had the movie lead-up books. They had a bunch of stuff. And it, it always was like, so if you want, you can focus on these ongoing titles that take place during this specific time. Or go to these miniseries where you can explore other avenues and other times in the galaxy. Great. And now they seem, granted we have the Obi-Wan series, which is an anthology series, and when you have the Han Solo and Chewbacca series, which takes place before A New Hope. Um, but with these main series, with uh, Star Wars, Darth Vader, Dr. Aphra, and Bounty Hunters, you're right, we are moving into the same era, and we're constantly in the same era. And the stories, like, they're almost too connected, where... You feel like, do I have to be reading all of these? You know, it, it's, I don't know. It just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't have the same feeling as the, the, the first, the first go at Star Wars comics did. It's like they, 
liked what they did. Other people liked what they did. And they said, well, we're going to double down on it. And you're like, no, I liked what you were doing. I don't want three times more than what you were doing. Yeah. And I, and like the bounty hunter specifically is one where it's like, like you just said, you could have that take place at any time, any time, especially now that you don't have Baylor as the main character. It's like, you're not beholden to the Galactic Civil War era. You could do bounty hunters in the Old Republic. You could do bounty hunters in the High Republic. You can do bounty hunters post-First Order. Like, do you, you know really who's do... a bounty hunter? The Mandalorian. Right? Exactly. Like, you don't even need the Mandalorian, but you have other characters in that series that you can take advantage of. So I'm, I'm hoping with Hidden Empire, which, again, as I said earlier, Crimson Reign is a shameless setup for Hidden Empire. Um, I'm hoping it's good. You can read, honestly, I reread Crimson Rain last night in an hour. Like, it's a very quick read. It's a very forgetful read as well. Uh, and I think Hidden Empire has an opportunity to really stick the landing. Um, and I will give Charles for the benefit of the doubt because I think he usually does. And I'm hoping what it does is set up a Crimson Dawn story either post Return of the Jedi or just in a different time where we can get we can get Crimson Dawn where they don't have to be tied into the stories we already know. You can just simply have stories about Crimson Dawn being a ruthless criminal syndicate. And I'm hoping that's what Hidden Empire does is set up stories like that in the future. I'm actually, personally, I'm really, really tired of comics in this time period. I want them to move past Return of the Jedi. I'm, I want um, the pre-Jakku, post uh, Return of the Jedi time period, that one year time period where the Empire doesn't have the Emperor, they're really cutthroat, um, and they're kind of collapsing in on themselves while also trying to set up what eventually becomes of the First Order. I think that's fascinating. I loved it in the books. Even if the books like weren't to everybody's speed, I liked that story. And so I want the comics to go there. I hope that's where they're going after this is done. The Operation Cinder timeline. Where yes, the, exactly. The, the, empi- the Empire is essentially cutting and running, but they're they're really trying to destroy as much as they can as they regroup. I, I agree. I'd be very interested in that. As much like, don't get me wrong, the, the Galactic Civil War era is my favorite era of Star Wars, but I would I will welcome new eras, and, and eventually you're just going to run out of opportunities to tell stories in this era. Uh, and I think they're getting close to being there. And I'd rather focus on on post post Return of the Jedi, um, even even stuff leading up to like show me more of the New Republic, you know, because the show New Republic of the only New Republic. reigned about as long as the Empire did. Yeah, show me anything of the New Republic. Like you're looking at a actually thirty year time period. All right, so I guess with that we should wrap up our discussion. You can. Email us, TalkingTauntauns at AIPTComics.com. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingTauntauns, or you can join our Discord and join us um, through our Patreon with AIPT Comics. And with that, see you again next week.